It's Monday, October 13th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Mark Reith, and joining me in studio from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman. Happy Columbus Day, Taylor. Well, happy Thanksgiving to you. It's oh, a Canadian gosh, Thanksgiving. We're man. doing this. This now. is what we're doing today. You're, you are American. I know right? I am. Yes, but Focus. two Thanksgivings. Come on. Two thanks. You know, no one, on. can yeah, no one okay. can argue with that. That's okay. What's the difference between a Canadian Thanksgiving and a U.S. Thanksgiving? Is there a difference? Honest uh, question. I guess this one is more appropriate since it's right at the beginning of the harvest. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it was Canadians. They got it right. <laughs> Uh, all right, plenty to talk about today, despite the fact that no one is in the office and it's just you, me, and Balloonicorn here. Yeah, well, you could go have a party in the parking garage downstairs that's, if you wanted to. That's, that's absolutely af- after this. Um, so let's take a, a look. Let's take a step back before we get into any specific t- stocks and take a look at the market as a whole. Now, October, uh, we're two weeks in now. October has been a pretty spooky month for yeah. investors. Just look back at last week. Uh, on October 8th, there is a 274 point rally. The next day, the market fell by 334 points and that hasn't been that unusual for us recently. Oh, what's going on? What's leading to this roller coaster ride? Volatility, it's coming out of its nest, man. It's up 30% this month in just uh 13 or 12 and a half days now. Mm-hmm. Um and up 80% since middle of September. So investors are trying to figure out which direction they want to go. A lot of buying, a lot of selling. Unfortunately, more selling lately uh with the market down three and a half, almost 4% in October. Yeah. Um, and no one has been absolved. Every sector seems to be getting hit, some harder than others, energy and materials in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, people worried about China, people worried about the Fed. I thought this might have happened when Russia invaded the Ukraine, and that was a pretty... Uh, it was just cruise Yeah, that, that was a non-event in yeah. the markets. But now you see um, China and the Fed come back. People worried that um, the Fed isn't going to raise rates because they're worried about the economy not being able to sustain itself. And who isn't going to try and claim China uh, and the slowdown there. Sure, of course. Somebody's yeah. going to get it right one of these days. Yeah, no, we just throw darts at a That's board right. and eventually something will stick. And you look at, I mean, just to, for the insanity, uh, the the rally was based on FOMC minutes, uh, which I'm quoting the Wall Street Journal here, it revealed members' concerns for global growth. So the market rallied on bad news. Yep. There, it, it's just, it makes, there's no logic to it right now, uh, which makes me nervous. Uh, what are you What are you doing to handle this? Uh, are you are you bailing out now? Are you hoping that some Christmas shopping, so that the holiday season uh, brings things back up? What's your takeaway for this? Right now, I'm, I'm definitely not buying anything. I haven't bought anything for a couple months just because I have been a little nervous that something like this would happen. Mm. Um, I'll probably buy before the end of the year if the drop continues, because why not yeah. keep it lowering that cost basis. Um, That's what we do here. We buy stocks on a periodic basis so that um, you just keep rolling into it, rolling into it, rolling into it over the long term. Um, But right now I'm taking a a wait-and-see approach because a lot of my my holdings are in energy. So um, it hasn't been the best couple weeks. But the first half of the year was was, uh, stellar enough to to warrant holding some of these companies rather than rushing to sell, which I, I don't encourage people to do uh, in times like this. Very reasonable. Okay, and speaking of energy, by the way, yes. uh, first and foremost, actually, look at the energy sector recently. It seems like there have been a lot of big deals, lots of lots of mergers, lots of acquisitions. A big one announced recently, uh, Targa Resources mm-hmm. is acquiring Atlas Energy and Atlas Pipeline Partners. Uh, you are the energy guy, or were, before was, you became yes. a Canadian. Uh, <laughs> and now we've got this big energy deal, so I defer to you. What's going on here? What does Targa get out of this, and why is Atlas agreeing to this? Well, Targa is getting out of this uh, more assets in the what they call the mid-continent, um, basically um, anywhere from the Bakken straight down to Texas. Um, so they're getting gathering and processing 
assets, which is basically um, short pipelines from the fields to processing um, centers or storage tanks. So it's not these long distance pipelines that you see mm -hmm. uh, with a Kinder Morgan um, pipeline partners. Well, that's being rolled up to KMI um, or some of the Spectra energies on the East Coast. This is the gathering and processing side. So um, this company, it's spending $7.7 billion in a mix of cash, equity, and debt. Right. Um, Atlas has had a history of selling at the top. They sold some assets in February of 2011 to, to Chevron, um, and it looks like that could be the case right now, uh, especially with the way oil prices have been subdued over the last couple of weeks. Saudi Arabia coming out saying that, hey, we're probably not going to set the floor on oil at $90 a barrel. Mm -hmm. We could probably live at $80 a barrel for a couple of years, either trying to sweat out the Russians or trying to sweat out some of these American producers that are living on the edge, right. that are highly levered to debt. Um, so the increase in supply has really, really um, caught up to the price of oil. And while some OPEC members are clamoring for higher prices, Saudi Arabia obviously carries the torch here. So um, Atlas shareholders could be getting a pretty sweet deal right now. Right. Um, Everyone just talks about the Permian Basin. That's if if you make a deal and you have the Permian Basin in it, somebody's gonna be happy. <laughs> so you know what? That's fair. I, I get so Permian Basin. Uh, what is it? Why is it so important? Why why should I care? Because you're right. Every time there's an energy deal, mm -hmm. there's any energy news. The Permian Basin gets mentioned some way or another. Again, I'm not an energy guy. What's the big deal about the Permian Basin? So the Permian Basin uh, is one of the oldest fields in the United States, but because of horizontal drilling and fracking. It's now one of the fastest, if not the fastest growing. It's caught up to the Bakken. It's caught up to the Eagle Ford. Mm. And it supposedly has the best reserves now with this fracking being possible of any field in the United States. It's western Texas, a little mm -hmm. bit into New Mexico as well. Um, so it's in, that, it's in that Texas area where tons of midstream assets, the Gulf to export these natural gas uh, liquids mm -hmm. and natural gas. So the geography is great. The production has been stellar. You just have to wonder how much life it has in it. Probably has a lot, but not everyone's going to be able to take advantage of this. Right. If you did want to take advantage of it as a shareholder, midstream could be the way to do it because you're not relying on individual wells. You're relying on the overall productivity of the field. Okay. And so that's what uh, Targa and Atlas uh, have been keying in on. They're not the biggest player there, but gaining assets there mm -hmm. hasn't proven to be far-sighted as of yet. Okay, fair enough. All right, so so looking at the energy industry these days, again, you're the energy guy, Targa, Atlas, joining forces, uh, maybe becoming a stronger company as a result. Does that make them a buy in your book once this deal goes through? Or uh, perhaps a better question, what's the best buy in energy cool. right now? Yeah, you like that? Yeah, <laughs> That's curveball. not the better question. That right. might be the best question. There you go. Um, looking at these two companies combining MLPs have had their skeptics crop up over the last year or so. Uh, you kind of maybe saw some validation in that with Kinder Morgan rolling everybody up into a C-Corp. So you can kind of reach a size limit where MLP just doesn't make sense because they have to distribute so much cash to shareholders. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they're, for they're more forced to grow uh, through acquisitions like this. Lynn Energy is a producer on the MLP side. Um, so Kinder Morgan basically said, you know, we've reached a point where the hurdle rates are just too high for our shareholders right. or our unit holders, so we're just going to become a normal C-Corp again. Hmm. Um, so I'm a little hesitant for this deal, especially um, the way that the oil markets have been riding the last couple of weeks in Saudi Arabia's comments. Okay. That being said, the number one oil number stock one. in the world. Only one. Um, 
Man, <laughs> there's so many of them out there. We could get back to you. How about that? Uh, how about what's the? Maybe this is a personal question. What's yeah. the longest energy holding you've got in your portfolio? Oh, the the first uh, energy company I've ever purchased, and I still hold it, is Halliburton. Halliburton. Yes. Really, that's some old school energy. It is right some there. old school energy. Uh, number one services company in the U.S. Mm-hmm. with a global presence that's growing, um, and they're the fracking specialists. So, if countries other than the U.S. decide to get on the fracking bandwagon, which there are certainly hints that they will be. Right. Halliburton, I expect to be there. There you go. Okay, and let's keep the energy flowing, shall okay. we? Okay, uh, we we've got a We've got a- Namaste. Re- no, I like. I like that a lot. Uh, we have a listener email, uh, the fella named Andrew Flam, who had a tough weekend, and you'll see why momentarily. <laughs> he wrote, Fools, I've been tracking CLNE, which is, what is it, Clean Energy uh, Fuels Corps? That's it. Yeah, yeah that's the one. Uh, clean energy fuels. <laughs> Who needs those? Uh, which has consistently been falling for the past three months, and Westport falling for almost two years for a while now. And wondering how the expert fools—that's you, Taylor—feel oh about when we should see an uptake. I consistently see articles about the promising adoption and future adoption outlook of natural gas, though I'm confused about the current state of both stocks. What's holding these stocks back from showing signs of life? When will they cut? When will they turn that corner? Uh, and this is again from Andrew Flam. Listener number 10, in honor of the number 10 ranked Arizona Wildcats football team, which lost a heartbreaker to are they USC. still number 10 after they, that? You know what? They are now number 16. I guess Andrew is now He's listener out of number the 16. Ugh, Welcome. Tough. Stick around. We'll be up to 16 listeners in no time. So, well, with this great energy advice coming That's from right. you, obviously we will. Um, so sorry about that, Andrew, but the least we can do is answer your question. So, consolation prize. Consolation prize. You know what? You get, you get Taylor Muckerman That's instead right. of a uh-huh. uh, better record for your football team. Uh, so, Taylor, uh, Clean Energy, Westport, what's going on with them? So both of these companies are trying to attack the same poss- the same potential market, mm-hmm. just in a different way. Clean Energy Fuels wants to fuel uh, LNG, liquefied natural gas trucks, and compressed natural gas trucks. Uh, you look at Westport, wants to build the engines or at least provide the parts um, from an OEM standpoint mm-hmm. to, to build these CNG and LNG engines. They've got partnerships with Cummins and a few other engine manufacturers. Um, lately, they've taken a step back from producing engines. They want to just become the parts supplier for these um, and leave the engine manufacturing to the, the experts like the Cummins and the Navistars. Um, for a long time, it was this kind of battle between who is going to pull the trigger first. Because if you, if you want to build infrastructure, you mm-hmm. need the demand from the trucking side. Right. If you want to build trucks, you need the infrastructure. Otherwise, people aren't going to buy them if they can't fill their engines or their fuel tanks up with this natural gas. You kind of started to see clean energy fuels take the initiative, build out their their stations with Flying J, and then their and then other stations that are under their own namesake. Um, so they've started that rally, um, and the last half of this year, you've seen more and more trucks, uh, these heavy duty uh, Class Eight engines, up to 12 liters. A lot of companies have started buying into it more slowly than these companies thought, which is why the price of these stocks have been under such pressure. Mm-hmm. But I think 2015 could be that pivotal year. Um, I think that that's where you're going to really need to pay attention because all these companies have been testing these engines. If they like what they see, it's very likely that they'll continue to buy those and really expand their fleets. Um, It's already proven out with fleet vehicles like UPS and waste management and airports. Clean Energy Fuels has a lot of market share with Mm -hmm. those companies, but those are privately owned fuel stations that that Clean Energy Fuels goes out there and, and builds for them. 
they're not the ones that anybody can go use. So until they can get these heavy-duty trucks on on board, um, Clean Energy Fuels is going to continue to middle along. But these companies are growing revenues. They're just loss-making ventures right now because they're investing so much into the business. Mm -hmm. So 2015, I look for these companies to be a big year. Um, Clean Energy Fuels might have a maybe safer bet, but Westport has much many more options available to it due to its patents mm -hmm. and because it's not just building fueling stations, it's building engines for multiple different industries around the world. All right, 2015. That's the that time. That could be that could be the year. Uh, you saw um, Westport really take a hit a couple weeks ago when they lowered guidance for mm -hmm. their 2014 revenues um, due to a, a, one of their biggest purchasers who wasn't named, um, possibly pushing back orders by a quarter or two. Okay. So not the not the longest term issue here right um so that could be a nice little dip to investors pay attention to but yeah i think 2015 might finally start to see him turn a corner there you go andrew you're welcome you are welcome yeah nicely done maybe Kelly. the u of a uh, wildcats will have a, a uh, nice 2015 to i hope not i hope they keep <laughs> bearing down in the rankings well, yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> you're from uh, arizona i'm an arizona state university yeah, boy okay, uh, yeah, go. let's go sun devils all right and if any of you have any questions out there just send them our way at radio at fool.com that's it for us taylor muckerman thank you for being Mark here man. thank you as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by balloonicorn enthusiast Heather Horton. I'm Mark Reith. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.